good evening, Clouder, Jake, Oh, How are we? Good, thank you. Good, thanks, Ro. Four-point loss to the Giants on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> bit, bit salty. Um, around four loss, 79 to Giants, 11 goals, 13 to Geelong, 11 goals, 9, 75. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. First of all, recap a little bit of the Adelaide match first off leading in from that. 24-point win against Adelaide. They did beat us in disposals, clearances, inside 50s, but where it counted on the scoreline, we beat them. Jake? Yeah, there was a, a few things that happened uh, during the week, Row, a few sicknesses, a few technical difficulties and things popping up. But, um, yeah, definitely looking back on last week, it was such a positive getting a win on the road, coming off a five-day break. And, you know, we thought when the Crows pushed back to within a goal at three-quarter time that we'd be in trouble and that the Crows would run us over in the last quarter. But it was really the Cats that did all the running in the last quarter and we, we sort of ran over the top of them and came away with a win, which was fantastic. And Grind Myers starred with three goals, so that was really good. Um, I personally thought that going into the Giants game, that we'd ha- we'd play a little bit of a similar team in regards to how Adelaide and GWS sort of run with the ball. So I was looking forward to similar results this week, but alas, we'll get onto that later. What were your thoughts, Ol? Uh, regarding the Adelaide match, just generally yeah. pretty happy and pretty pretty uh, content. You can say we're we've been in well, we were in pretty good form. For you know the three consecutive consecutive rounds, but being Adelaide away from home is quite a task, so it's no mean feat to do it. Hendo coming into the team against the likes of their tall forwards such as Josh Jenkins, uh, Tex Walker, and and Tom Lynch. Then midfield, the disposal count really stood out. Brad Crouch thirty five. Uh, Bryce Gribbs was in there who was had a drop the next match surprisingly Matt Crouch 27 Rory Sloan 26 so on paper yep okay the midfield did have a lot of the ball but our defence really really stood up and up forward pressure counts really stopped Dowhouse another seven tackles looked incredible and it was backed up by the likes of Grime Myers as you said the three goals Jake and, and Tom Markins doing his thing again uh, third week in a row 24 points Happy days. Uh, the big concerns coming out of that match initially were all right, Mark O'Connor injury, Tim Kelly, not sure if he's going to make it against GWS. And turns out they're fine, they're fit, they're fit to play. Lockie Henderson being the only one injured two to three weeks out. In comes Jack Henry, though, which doesn't seem too bad a switch, seeing as GWS on paper don't have a super tall forward line compared to Adelaide albeit Jeremy Cameron, a four-point loss here. Uh, and there's a lot of talking points from this match. Jake, what were your thoughts from this? Yeah, well, the first quarter of the Giants game, Geelong kicked four goals, and I think it was to Giants one goal. And I'm thinking to myself, like, here we go. We're keeping up the form from last week. There was a bit of a longer break, so a nine-day break, and we seem to have coped with that longer break uh, pretty well and we seem to have a lot of run and a lot of answers to the Giants' uh, defensive efforts. But, yeah, pretty much the next three quarters were the Giants just slowly, slowly grinding back um, our, all our offensive weapons and they started to 
put their game style of the orange tsunami into play and it just seemed like we were leaving unmanned Giants players all over the ground and they just kept running it up the ground and getting on the ends of goals um, pretty regularly. So it was a bit unfortunate that we seemed to fade out, especially in the second half, but I guess that's something you can come to expect from a team that's playing a lot of younger and inexperienced players. So overall, I think the main disappointment was that we lost at home, which is probably somewhere where we wouldn't expect to lose a lot of games. I think if you looked at that game um, without having seen the the venue, you'd be still pretty happy that we lost to a, a strong premiership contender by only four points and by playing three pretty bad quarters. So um, big picture, we're still looking really good. But in this game, yeah, there were, there were definitely some concerns that were raised. What are you thinking, Ol? I think uh, you've, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head with um, most of the assessments there. Generally speaking, the Giants just seem to adapt well or adapt quickly and change um, some of their plans to counteract our initial good work. Much to our displeasure, the, the Cats couldn't then change again or adapt themselves or re reconfigure basically a- attack against the uh, the giants in terms of a countering effort now um generally i just think geelong yeah hit hit the wall in the the second half particularly in the last quarter um and as as you're saying jake it's mostly down to just a lack of run and I think there may be some some reason to suggest that some of that comes from the inexperience and and uh, youth within our current team but for all you know for all intents and purposes it's it was the same game for GWS but they were running on top of the ground so um, you know there's questions that need answers in that regard other than that, on the pure um, statistics and pure uh, paper aspect, I guess you could say, three and one isn't too bad after the first month of football. Um, you know, if we if we had been asked if what we would think of a of a three and one start before the start of the year, I think most of us would have taken it. So. You know we're we're in a we're in a position that's not too bad. Um, still on top of the ladder, granted only by percentage. But the the main disappointment for me is that yeah we were less than a goal away from four and zero and a game clear on top. But you know such is life. We move on. I do accept and agree with the three and one argument and yeah. You can't have a crack at the team and have a crack at too many elements when you three wins, one loss up, and you top the ladder after round four. But at the same time, you take every single match on its merits. And yep. this was a match against GWS, who we absolutely flogged them down at Kidney Park last year. Um, and on the stat sheet, they've just flogged us here in terms of the disposal counts, clearance counts, inside 50s, contested possessions, tackles hit outs, you name it, every key stat they, they've dominated. From the first quarter, we did look like we were continuing on from our, our round three form, round one to three form, but it 
second quarter onwards, yeah, our midfield was just shut down galore. And this is the frustrating thing for me, that the fact it was in Geelong, our fortress, GWS, the, the Giants' first ever win at Kidney Park. Um, and it's not like they're, they're a whole new team, that the players we don't know about. We saw them last week. We saw Finn Lason up forward kicking a bag five. We saw Harry Himmelberg taking contested marks. We saw what they could do. Jeremy Cameron with 30 disposals and seven goals in round three, along with Whitfield, 42 disposals. We, know what, we knew what we were going into. And to have a lead of 22 points in the third quarter, which could have been 28, albeit a missed goal, uh, I think that's four points dropped. Um, and yeah, uh, you can be happy three and one and looking forward to the next match against Hawthorne, Easter Monday, which we'll preview later. But this is a match that's dropped for me. And we talk about moments within matches and last year it counted. We looked back at that West, that Western Bulldogs match uh, as a four points dropped and, and other matches similarly. And for me, this is a massive one dropped. Jay, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, if you look at our four games so far, you can probably, you know, take out the the Melbourne game because that was an absolute thrashing. But three of the four games have definitely had those moments that you're talking about. So you can look back at the Charlie Constable goal in round one against Collingwood. We took that moment. Jordan Degoe handballed at the top of the goal square where he could have just turned around and gone back and kicked the goal. That was a moment too. So. You go back to the Adelaide game, there was some players from Gary Rowan, there was this and that, and Gary Ablett kicked that goal and Myers kicked that goal. And I think of the three games that you can, you know, take those moments out of where two out of three, and as the saying goes, two out of three isn't bad, but yeah, I, I would have loved so much for us to be four and nil or, you know, three out of three of the games that were, as I was saying before, just with, with that inexperienced team, and the younger players, you could sort of tell that you could tell that they just weren't thereabouts in the last quarter. And our senior players were down, and basically the younger players couldn't step up and fill that void. Jordan Clark only had seven disposals. Constable had only sixteen disposals with seven tackles. Myers was good in the first half, but was sort of quiet in the second half. When the senior players are down, you expect other players, especially the younger ones, to pick up, but it, it never really came. And I think this would be a good lesson for us to learn early in the season. And if this sort of game sort of repeats itself later in the season, I hope that the younger players or the players that aren't in that core group that we rely on learn from this. And um, yeah, I, even though we did lose, and, and I also am frustrated that we aren't, you know, four and zero sitting on top of the ladder, I think it is a good learning opportunity. And uh, especially for the young players, and they should hopefully take a lot out of it. So, Talk yeah. about the, the senior players there. Tom Stewart and Mitch Duncan were the only senior players to gain over 20 disposals, and they gained 26 disposals. And Tom Stewart, all his disposals were just doing all Australian work out from the back line yeah. and, and rebounding forward. Mitch Duncan does Mitch Duncan things. He does the, the simple things right. Um the next one, Brandon Parfit. You, you wouldn't put him in a senior player category. I know he's senior listed, but look, he's a young kid. Yep. Okay. Uh, GWS, Lockie Whitfield, 31 disposals. Josh Kelly, 32. Canigler, 34. Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto, 28 and 31. Um, 
yeah, they absolutely destroyed us through the middle with with those four, uh, five, sorry, big name and had a huge impact on the match. Oh, Matt DeBoer, first half on Dangerfield, second half on Tim Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, shut. He, he was uh, immense shutting down a lot of our drive through the midfield. But um, I think, as, as I think you were alluding to, it's important to give credit where it's due to GWS. They are a quality outfit. Their midfield, you know, is stacked with stars. It's stacked with talent. Um, that you know, the high draft picks are, are starting to uh, blossom and become seasoned players. I mean, even without uh, Dylan Shield and maybe one or two others, but. Um, they're... But they have been for years. There's an argument they have been for years. And they've yeah. lost Scully now. They've lost Shield. All right. Yet yeah, Taranto and Hopper have had to step up. And Geelong know Jacob Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> they know where he comes from. They know his playing style. It, it shouldn't be Jacob Hopper grabbing over 30 disposals on our turf at home. Um, I just think this is a match that's when Callan Ward is injured within the first five minutes of the first quarter and they're down to three men were 22 points up in the three quarter at our home ground and we botched this one that's four points lost for me the run I'll throw this out to both of you guys can can you either remember one passage of play where we actually worked the ball through the middle quickly throughout the match that comes to your mind there there were a couple of times in the last quarter, and one that really springs to my mind immediately was when Jordan Clark had a paddock and took a few bounces down the wing and kicked it inside 50, but it wasn't an effective kick. So there was definitely no fluent pieces of play that I can remember of of us actually getting it inside 50 quickly and resulting in a score. It, it seemed every time we got it in there, Nick Haynes would mark it and then someone else would run it out. Yeah. Phil Davis and Nick Haynes were all over it. And, Ollie, this is the, the thing that frustrates me. And Scott's words after the first three rounds were all the same. It was positive but cautious. And I, I still feel the same way. I'm I'm not having a crack at the team. I'm not. Yeah, I, I do think it was one that we should have won and four points lost in the end. Um, supporters are allowed to say that. Yeah. Supporters are allowed to, to vent their own opinion. And I know that this... This type of match, because it is at home, it does tend to create a bit, bit of division amongst supporters uh, between those that, that do say, okay, three and one, top of the ladder, no, go Cats, and then those that reply back to that with shocking display, da, 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 and then it goes from there. And a lot of that, I guess, happens from online and social media, et cetera. Uh, but at Kenny Park, our home turf, for an opposition to team when we're 22 points up, for them to be able to work it with ease through the centre against us, and our only option is down the line. The one you pointed out there, Jake, I think Jordan Clark did have it running on the wing at the time, but I can't remember any really movement through the centre as we had seen in the previous matches. So it, it does bring a bit of positive but cautious this match to my mind. That's That's a reasonable assessment as well we definitely did kick down the line far too often meanwhile gws 
use the whole ground and use run and spread. I don't necessarily think we're unfit or that they're, you know, super fit and we're that far behind them. It just, um, you know, kind of boggles the mind in a sense that we fell away so sharply. What, what, what do you think, Jake? How many how many times have we talked about the dimensions of Kadinya Park and us knowing how to play those dimensions and the one percenters, etc. How do you think we played this match, I guess? And, and how do you think TWS used it to their advantage? Is, is it four points dropped or am I being too harsh? No, I, I don't think you're being too harsh. I think you and, and other supporters have every right to to feel like we definitely dropped this, considering, like you said, we were up by 22 points in the third quarter and could have been up by almost six goals in the third quarter. I just think, and again, going back to uh, what I was saying about giving the Giants credit, they definitely changed some things at quarter time and all I pretty much saw for for the next couple of quarters was Nick Haynes marking us bombing it down the line putting it on Hawkins head when Phil Davis was all over him already there was a lot of pressured handballs to players that already had players on their backs there were a lot of you know kicks into the corridor and then kick back out onto the wing because Giants had set up so well and then when it was a turnover the Giants just seemed more willing to run than Geelong. And that could be coming back to us talking about Geelong being tired. I don't know if it's from the break or from the young players, but the Giants just seemed to, it, it, it almost felt like it was their home ground advantage rather than ours at some points of the game because they just set up so well. And yeah, again, credit to the Giants for the game plan that they implemented. And, you know, people can probably comment like, you know, Chris Scott doesn't have a plan B when things go wrong or, but, you know, sometimes you try and switch stuff during the game and it, it's it's too late and you just can't can't change anything. And I think we still did well to hold on and stay within, you know, the goal margin that it was in the end. But, you know, that's how it is. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll, I guess, these are ones, when we do suffer our first loss, there's one to, to point to you. you. You are very good on, on these talking points here when... There is a bit of division among supporters here. Uh, it's our first loss. We're still top of the ladder, I guess. You take the positives out of it. Um, we'll look into Hawthorne a bit sooner later on um, and preview that match. But yep. I guess looking at the, as you do, the, the cyclical nature of the game and bringing in the likes of Jordan Clark, Charlie Constable, Tom Atkins, Grind Wise, along with the young kids already established in the team, Masava Radigalea, Jack Henry, etc. Yep. Positive signs still. Yeah. Yeah. It's a there's still a, a, a refreshed feel about um, much of the team. You know, it's we've we've kind of uh, skipped over perhaps skipped over or well skipped over winter or at least lengthened autumn for, for a period of time. I think when we eventually lose someone like Selwood, Ablett, Hawkins, you know, in a in a clump. It's gonna be that's gonna be a period that's gonna be a testing period. So we may drop away a little bit in terms of the the ladder and um, premiership aspirations. But um, I mean, for now, nobody. I don't think anybody expected these uh, these young kids to have the impact that they have, you know, in the first month of football. Um, they're they're pretty good. Well, we knew they were decent and pretty good and com- pretty combative, pretty competitive players. 
but I don't think anyone could have seen that they would have the impact they've had. So there's there's some some reason for um, you know some positivity going forward for sure. I think this is the best. This might be overstating it, but I think this is um, you know one of the better crops we've had of young talent for a little while. Mm. Uh, it's a good point, it, especially when we have seen glimpses last year of Quentin Narkle, who, who fans loved and became a bit of a yep. cult hero, who not getting a look into the team, and Jermaine Jones, pressure forward, who has been training in defence but played the game in the VFL last weekend uh, up forward. It, it, it's a good shout-out to say. Uh, Jake, from the match against GWS, the players that, that did, I guess, We'll need to step up next match against against Hawthorne for you that didn't put in uh, their best performance. Who would you? Who's come to mind for you? Well, the first and biggest one that comes to mind is Patrick Dangerfield, who had a pretty good first half, kicked a goal and had about 14, 15 touches, I think. But then Matt DeBoer went to him in the second half and I think he had two or three touches in the second half and was barely sighted. In my player ratings segment that I put up on the Facebook page, I said that the whole town was hoping for a Dangerfield goal that was meant to come in the last quarter, and it never did. Mm. And that was one of the uh, the biggest things for me that I took from his game is he just didn't seem to have that impact that he's essentially there for. Um, he debuted against Hawthorne for Geelong and had a blinder. So uh, I reckon he'll be back to his best next week. And I reckon he'll have a bit of a monkey on his back because he'll know exactly how much he did or didn't do against that, um, against the Giants in that game. Um, the other big one is Tim Kelly, who amazingly only had nine disposals for the whole game. And he also had a goal in the first quarter and he looked like he was running okay, considering he had that ankle issue from the week before. But yeah, nine disposals for the for the whole game is it's almost like when I was looking at the stats, I sort of had to like check it twice because I couldn't believe that Tim Kelly would have under double figures disposals. But yeah, I I didn't even feel like I'd not seen him that much during the game. Um, Tom Hawkins was definitely probably the most consistent player over the the whole four quarters. I did um say in the uh, during the week that. He would be my cloud of cat of the week with four goals. And he ended up with three goals too. And, you know, maybe his fourth goal would have been after the siren and got Geelong over the line. But that's uh, a, <laughs> I go back in time. So I just won't think about that. Um, yeah, I think um, the back line probably had their first loss, I guess you could say, for the season. They still, um, you know, they battled hard against the forwards the whole game. But, you know, Cameron kicking three, Finlayson kicking three. And Daniel Lloyd kicking two, that's probably your game right there. So if you can take one goal off each of those players, um, that's probably a more acceptable effort from the defence. So I reckon um, Dangerfield and Kelly will have some big games next week and there'll be a couple of younger defenders who will be wanting to just get back in the good books with the coaching staff, I think. Yeah, and, and then there's an argument that, all right, aside from Zach Tui being out there, that is our defence best defence on paper out there. And albeit Jeremy Cameron being a, a tall presence, they had the likes of Himmelberg and Finlayson to, to put up forward, who really on paper shouldn't be much of a threat. Um, 
Harry Taylor tried the job on Jeremy Cameron and Cameron just uh, ran off him so many times. I, I lost count. Um, thankfully, he missed a couple. But he could have ended up with five goals, Jeremy Cameron, coming off seven the week before. Harry Taylor, yeah, I'm not sure if he was the best matchup for Jeremy Cameron. But the likes of Himmelberg as well, taking being able to take free contest marks. And, uh, yeah, our, our back line, it, apart from Tom Stewart, who can do no wrong, <laughs> it was probably the, the first shaky match for the season, the likes of O'Connor and... Blitzarves and Taylor probably not performing to their best. Mm-hmm. Another one, oh, or another two would put into that pressure forward category or midfield forward category. Luke Dalhouse and Sam Managola, neither really had fantastic games. Yeah, um, as we were, as we have already mentioned multiple times, um, you know, some of the delivery from Menegola wasn't quite what we usually expect. And um, yeah, one inside 50 for the game. Yeah, well, there you, there you go. There's a blaring yeah. statistic. Um, and um, in terms of his, uh, his finishing around goal, which is typically rather reliable, um, he did have what is essentially a gimme shot that... Um, that he missed, which in some senses is, uh, you know, unforgivable to an extent. So um, it's a sh- it's a shame, and, and we'll just have to move on and, and learn from it. In terms of Dalhouse, I think he's he's always a hard worker, and he's always busy, and he's always looking like he's you know full of intent and and moving around and chasing and harassing and. Much, much the same as Gary Rowan in that sense. Um, but, yeah, Luke Dalhouse didn't probably have the greatest of uh, games from that pure defensive forward or the pure defensive pressure inside 50 type game. You know, he was more just... It was more of an almost game for him, I think. Could have been uh, better in some senses. Some of his chases were, were good. Some of Rowan's chases were good, even though Rowan, I think, had either zero or one tackle, depending on who you... Yeah, you just had the one, yeah. Yeah, but, so, I mean, some of some of Rowan's efforts, I, I distinctly remember a smother late in the game, um, which was, you know, pretty desperate, and that's what we expect, and that's what we like. So, you know, he... He's doing okay. Um, he definitely wasn't alone. And I think you could also, yeah, you could pair Dalhouse with Rowan in that respect too. I thought Rowan actually had a really good game. Six disposals. You look at six disposals and you think, all right, um, non-existent. Just did not touch the ball at all. But the clutch of those six disposals are two inside 50s, two goals, mm. Um, the defensive effort in late in that second half that led directly to the goal, the smother as well, mm. if you guys remember mm. that. Mm. It's just yeah, yeah. work on and off the ball. And it, people forget, people talk about Gary Rowan as a, a small forward. He's six foot three. He's got a huge leap on him. Yeah, yeah. He, is, he is athletic. He's, a, he's essentially 
to my way of thinking, he's a small Cyril. Except <laughs> he's a tall Cyril. <laughs> Sorry, he's a yeah. He's a yeah. He's a taller. He's a taller um, Cyril Riol. Except you know, so he, he except perhaps not as silky. But you know, he, with a with a handful of touches, he can hurt you. He's one of those players that can do that. I think he's gone past Dalhouse as probably that the most important asset to this forward line now because Dalhouse does you know he still gets his like 20 25 disposals and his few tackles but I think Rowan is so good at creating just those opportunities and yeah. I, I was always so mm. critical of Cyril Rioli and I like I never really you know I watched the Hawthorne games that we played against them but I'd never really like look into you know Rioli and everyone would say like oh he's so good at this and that and I'd think like but he he doesn't do anything he just sort of taps the ball on but now that I'm seeing Rowan do it I can see how important that is for the team yeah mm. yeah it's so yeah it's, that's definitely a great attribute to have when when someone can you know make up 20 meters really quick and lay a tackle or just get a block or a, a punch in and and just create that opportunity for for the team yeah, spill the ball from from a contest or something along those lines it's the intangibles yeah, I see him as one of those players that opposition fans should love to hate. When you, I'm sorry, but when the name Hayden Ballantyne comes to mind, <laughs> and things like those, when Chad Wingard comes to my mind now in in Hawthorne, at Guernsey, um, yeah, I, I'll I'll love to hate them. And yeah, 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 Gary well, Rowan, I hope that opposition fans will love to hate him for those yeah. exact reasons. But to be I, the spark, to be the enigma that can create something out of nothing. I I, I totally agree. I kind of get the same impression about um Brian Myers. Yeah. If, if not now, eventually he's going to be someone that we love, but other opposition fans don't really like very much. But that's all right. Exactly. Yeah. How about have a little bit of a break, boys, and then start previewing. Easter Monday clash against Hawthorne at the MCG. Huge match. Sounds good. No worries. Speaking of players that opposition fans should love to hate, Tom Atkins on Shane Mumford. A quiet clap there uh, as we move on to previewing Hawthorne. I just wanted to get that in there. Um, <laughs> the VFL boys played in the weekend. The, the Guthrie boys both led the line. Cam with 25 disposals. We've suffered a loss here. Um, yet there is a, a nine-day break again, another nine-day break that we'll have. Team changes, I'm not sure if we need any. We're going against a side here that obviously has no Tom Mitchell, no Frawley, no Burgoyne, no Shields. Amir is probably likely to return following his omission round three. Well, he didn't get up for that. Ben Strutton, ben Strutton uh, suffered a concussion, but all right, nine-day break, he may be back as well. Overriding factor, Jake, beaten by St Kilda. <laughs> I don't know how you rate St Kilda. Um, should we win? Or is this a Geelong Hawks game 
as good as Geelong are, as bad as Geelong are, as good as Hawthorne are, as bad as Hawthorne are, it's no one knows. It's always going to be close. <laughs> yeah, I think regardless of the ins and outs for each team at the time, when Geelong and Hawthorne play, it's always a close one. Or well, most times it's a close one, and it's always a spectacle. It's one of the biggest games in the first half of the season. Um, obviously, Hawthorne have a lot of outs, but I don't think we should be worrying about them. We should worry about who's in, because Alistair Clarkson is the best coach in the AFL, and he'll pull something out of somewhere to give us some headaches on the day, that's for sure. Um, I can pretty much bet that one of Shields and Burgoyne will come back into the team I have this like weird theory that I call the injury theory with my mates where players who are injured for opposition teams always seem to come back against Geelong and somehow play a pivotal part in either winning the game for that team or having some part of doing something special in that game. And a great yeah. example of this is Michael Barlow when he came back from his broken leg and Frio beat us. And I think Jared uh... Ruffhead came once from his Achilles as well and they beat us that game too, which might have ended the streak. I'm not sure if that's correct, but anyway. I think that was sure the Kenneth Kess, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just this weird thing that I always seem to pick up. They always come back against us. And, I mean, you can even say Callan Ward came back and in that game last week and he did his ACL, which spurred the Giants on to win just for him. So, mm. <laughs> there's, there's definitely... um. There's definitely merit to the, you know, the, the, the injury or the milestone theory because, you know, teams tend to get up for the players that, you know, are celebrating a, a milestone or a, or there's a good feeling about the team because they've, they've welcomed someone back or, you know. So there's, I think there's, there's probably genuine psychological merit to that because there's an edge that the team gets. Absolutely. We'll talk about our injuries then. Okay, Cam Guthrie, VFL match on the weekend, 25 disposals. Do we see him in line at all, or is he just going to be sitting in the emergencies? Well, the only person that could possibly, well, the only people that could possibly come out in my head would be Mark O'Connor, but he keeps on keeping on. Like, every week you look at, he's like the one name on paper where you think like oh well he'll probably be the first out but I mean he had seven marks on the weekend and five of them were contested and he keeps just like he's in a contest and you think like oh no he's going to lose this and then he, he wins it and you're like oh that was actually really good so I don't think there's any reason to change the team in regards to uh, like team structure but there might be some some issues in regards to keep like boosting the forward pressure the aspect of the game which has worked so well for us in the first month so you know maybe JJ or Narkel comes in just to for one of these young guys to help boost that um that forward pressure aspect and you know Jordan Clark had seven disposals so maybe Guthrie comes in for him and maybe he just gets a rest because he had a little bit of a knock as well I I wouldn't have thought there'd be more than one change to the team but yeah it's pretty hard to say uh what that will be right now I think uh, I think O'Connor's in line to well at least for this first month he's pretty much been our most improved mm. player he's uh, you know he's just doing well and and exceeding expectation in some senses or at least the preseason expectations that we would have had of him and uh, you know it generally speaking it's um pretty 
indicative of uh, the Irish players because the commentators will always say, you know, they don't learn bad habits because they basically just get taught how to play the game and where to be and and how to kick and everything from the start or from from an older age. So they don't develop bad habits, you know, from, from childhood or boyhood or young girlhood up to adulthood. Yeah, we, we talked yeah. about Kerry's the correspondence we got from Kerry's fans regarding Mark O'Connor and how highly they rated him back in the, the GA league back home. So, yeah, young, young days and early days for Mark O'Connor, but he did play the last four games for us last season. He's played the first four games for us this season, and he's he's played them really well. So it, it's hard to find okay a, a person to slot back in and out, knowing that Hendo is injured, knowing that Zach Tilly probably will need at least another week or a week in the VFL. Um, I, I, I think you, you just stick with the same side for me. Maybe subject to, as you said, Jake at JJ Aaron Narkel giving one of the boys a rest. But, yeah. I'd like to see Narkle. I think most yeah, of def- at some point. I'd definitely like to see Narkle because he was one of the main real positive young players for us last year. And there was a couple of games where he and JJ really lit it up, especially that Sydney game where it was a really grubby, like the skill sort of game and the skills weren't very good at all. But, you know, JJ had like 10 tackles and Narkle had a couple of goal assists and i uh, Pretty sure he did get one goal, if I remember correctly. But I would like to see one of them, you know, come in. I wouldn't wouldn't even mind seeing, you know, Narkle on like a wing and using his speed. And uh, he's got a decent kick on him, so he can use that speed and and that kicking ability to get it into the forward line. And he's a pretty tough unit as well, so he'll be able to add some tackle pressure um, to that forward line too. There's a lot to like about Narkle. Oh yeah, we could, we could make a little five-minute segment on um, on Quentin Narkle, but <laughs> I think we won't. We'll, we'll continue and move on. They are an experienced side, though, yet without Titch, and they may have Ben Stratton injured and, and so on, concussion. But you look at their forward line, and, and they do have players that, I don't know whether it's just because of it, if it's just me, but, but they do have players that you do love to hate. Uh, <laughs> Isaac Smith being <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Luke Bruce. <laughs> Um, Sean Burgoyne. I could keep naming them, and but these are the players that I want Geelong to have. I want opposition fans to hate Tom Atkins and think that he's just going to absolutely get ten tackles and destroy someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the same kind of thing that, for, like I was speaking earlier about about Gay Rowan. So for me, my upcoming cloud of the week would be Jake Collajasny because they do have those. Even though they call them small forwards, some are even over six foot Luke Bruce. But Jake Collajasny, I think he'll be pitiful against the likes of Luke Bruce and um, and Isaac Smith. And yeah, hopefully Collo can keep his fine form to season continuing and into round five against Hawthorne. And we'll just see how it goes for him. I think he definitely had some uh, positive moments in the Giants game as well and, and you're right, he's he's also been one of our most improved players over the well, over the course of this year so far, being able to tackle the smaller sort of players and also 
uh, go up against the taller, more athletic and agile players as well. So there's definitely some um, weapons in the Hawthorne team and it's not the same team that we've played over the last, you know, five to eight years. They've definitely got some new players like Warple and Cousins and James Sisley would be one that would be great to have a lockdown player work along. Um, so even though the Hawks have a lot of outs, let's not um, let's not get ahead of ourselves and let's just think about yeah. what they can do because they've, you know, teams like North Melbourne and Essendon seem to be the teams that we get ahead of ourselves sometimes and they normally are the teams that beat us. So let's just focus on the task at hand that we have. I, I, I totally agree. I, mm. I would genuinely think that, um, you know, most, most of the time while it may come off as, you know, some sort of uh, negativity or um, kind of an element of mild dislike or disdain or whatever, it's ultimately some elements of respect for what they've been able to achieve and what we've been able to achieve within the same era. Um, and we just see them as worthy combatants or, you know, worthy adversaries, I guess. Um, so, um, you, you never like losing to them and they don't like losing to us and there's a genuine strong rivalry there but there's i think it's because of an underlying element of of respect for how good both teams have been definitely and i'll put chad chad wingard into one of those players <laughs> that i didn't list why because he is so good in the ford 50 so we've seen yeah. the first few rounds doesn't amass his disposals but he just creates something out of nothing. And as an opposition fan and, and as a Cats fan playing against Hawthorne, he's a player that I would love to hate because he's yeah. so good. And I'll, I'll, Fair play to Chad Wingard. He is so good. Like yeah. Luke Bruce and, and like Isaac Smith, they are a very good forward line in terms of their small forwards. Uh, I know yeah. Roughhead's nearing probably the end of his career, but it, it, is, it does come from respect, I guess, but let's not give them too much respect. Um, <laughs> yeah, 200-point win to the Cats. Um, <laughs> that would we, be we did quite... get tagged by DeBoer last match, Tim Kelly and Danger. The first three matches, it was looking good, Jake. It was looking when one got tagged, one got let on. The leash got kind of pulled off a little bit, so Danger was getting tagged, TK was free, so on. I don't think they'll pull tag even if they do pull tag I'm, I'm not too worried i think we'll just focus on our players focus on what we do well and go from there what are your thoughts yeah well, i think the giants midfield as a whole helped out matt DeBoer. so matt DeBoer was doing like 90 percent of the work on the player that he was on at each in each half but the likes of Canelio and kelly and hopper definitely got around the other player that DeBoer wasn't monitoring at the time and the, and they still made them accountable. I think they must have all watched Kane Corn's footy SA segment that he did the week before about how Dangerfield was just getting left alone at the stoppages and the Crows essentially just let him roam free through the midfield because there seemed to be a player next to or in the way of Dangerfield wherever he, he was at the time, even in the first half. But in mm. the second half, I've, I've no idea what happened. He just completely fell off the map. But I don't actually know if Hawthorne implement a tagger. I think Daniel Howe has tagged for Hawthorne previously. I'm not sure if he's in the team or will be in the team coming up, but uh, 
I think he actually might have been a late in for Jager O'Meara. So if he stays in, he's probably the one that might get tagging duties. But I don't think Clarkson has been one historically to employ a tagger. He normally just goes against the players head-to-head and backs his players and the midfield to do the job in, in that regard. So, yeah, it should be interesting. But I definitely think both of those players, Kelly and Dangerfield, um, will have a chip on their shoulder and a point to prove this week. Exactly, yeah. And hopefully, if we do get this this win, it will be four points. But a win against Hawthorne in terms of momentum and, I guess, springing from that <laughs> in, in your mind, it's more than four points. It seems like eight points any win against Hawthorne. <laughs> so... Mm. If we get this win, this will be huge. Uh, after knowing the fixtures on paper that we had, according to champion data, the hardest starts of the season, so on, so yeah. on. If we win this, to be sitting after round five, top of the ladder, uh, it'll be, yeah, happy, happy days. And um, like Rick Scott said, positive yet cautious. Jake? Yes, I'm really looking, really not looking forward to Chad Wingo kicking three or four goals against us, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you're you're red hot with the what's going to happen. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's probably a good uh, segue to go into the uh, cat of the week, don't you reckon? Yeah, I reckon. Yep, I've already picked Jake College Asney, Cloud Cat of the yep. Week. Do the job on Luke Bruce, um, or if he's on Isaac Smith or any of those, maybe Paul Popolo at times. Whoever gets placed on huge Jake College Asney. Uh, Step it up. It'll be amazing. Come on. Uh, Cats by three goals. Let's do this. Jake, who's your cloud account of the week? I reckon Christ will rise again on Easter Monday and little Gaz Gaz kick three goals to go with his 24 disposals and Geelong Geelong by 26 points. Oh. All right. Um, Now... Mitch Duncan oh, yeah. will have another solid game. He's doing, doing the things that we expect, doing the things that we know. Probably going under the radar as usual and, um, you know, picking up somewhere in the realm of mid-20s for disposals and maybe a goal on, on the run. But, you know, a, a very much of a serviceable, reliable, dependable performance. And... In line with my typical tipping, <laughs> I will say eight-point win to Geelong. So it'll be a typical Hawthorne-Geelong nail-biting finish that we don't necessarily like to see. Um, you know, I'd, I'd much rather say 80 points rather than eight to Geelong. But or I think it'll be a tight one. So I'll go with a, a tight win to the cap. Yeah. Give all, you've, give all you've got, 22 players in the field, that's all we ask for. That's all we ask for, just to give everything we've got, like we've seen in the first yeah. two rounds. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, whatever the, whatever the outcome, I mean, even if it is a loss to Hawthorne, if it is an honourable loss, then as we were alluding to in, in previous weeks, we can accept... Um, that to an extent, um, and if we can be four and two um, after the you know these next two games, or four and two at, at the absolute, um, uh, yeah, I guess at least because you'd want to you'd want to you'd probably want to win at least one of the next 
one two. of the next two would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He'd so need to. Up against West Coast in round six. Yeah. Honorable loss, Ol. Shades of a Brendan Bolton post match conference there. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes losing. Um, but you can gain a lot of uh, lessons from losses. I think we'll learn a fair bit from, from this week or from the GWS game just gone. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we'll bounce back. Yeah, well, this week's, this week's result will tell us exactly where we're at, regardless of how many players Hawthorne do end up out with. So Yeah, exactly. Focus on ourselves and do the best you can, Cats. So we ask for onwards and upwards. Yep. Cheers, boys. To a, a happy that. Easter Monday and happy Easter to all Cats fans you. out there. Let's see how it goes. Hopefully it's a, a, a blue and white Easter Monday. Onwards and upwards. Go Cats. Go Cats.